Hello and welcome to another episode of the So Leadership Podcast, where we're passionate about seeing a generation of leaders being equipped to serve God faithfully and effectively. And this includes serving and leading in times of uncertainty. If you haven't listened to part one of Leading Through Uncertainty, which came out last week, I want to direct you, I want to command you almost to please hit pause on this current episode and listen to last week's episode. It really unpacks two of the foundational elements that we're looking at when it comes to leading through uncertainty. Last episode, we unpacked the importance of growing in Christ dependence in times of uncertainty. And we also looked at the importance of caring deeply for the people that we lead, especially in times of uncertainty. Today, what I want to do is I want to unpack the last three elements. So we've got Christ dependence and care, which we've already looked at. And we're going to unpack communication, creativity, and courage. And so let's dive straight into the new content. And we're looking firstly at communication. Now, if I ask 10 people to define for me what communication is, chances are we're going to find 10 different responses. And that's because the meaning of the word and what it encompasses is so broad. Stuart Clegg, who is an academic and he's written a number of textbooks and other books on leadership and people management, he says that communication can be defined as the exchange of ideas, emotions, messages, stories, and information through different means, including writing, speech, signals, objects, or actions. Now, how broad is that? But I think it's helpful to have some sort of a working definition of the word communication as we're going to discuss and unpack it today. In particular, in ministry, we tend to find this kind of communication that we've just defined in two spheres or categories, if I can put it that way. We've got the organizational and we've got the personal. Organizational communication refers to you know ideas and messages and information that relate directly to serving in ministry. So for example, talking about how an event is going to run, giving feedback on how your team is going passing on information about how so is going to continue to function in the midst of this current lockdown situation. That's all organizational. It relates to the operation of the ministry and the subject matter is about the ministry. But then you've also got personal communication. And this is where you relate to other people in the ministry. It includes things like when you meet up for discipleship one-on-one or you're sharing about your lives to to people that you serve with in that specific format. And of course, there's going to be many times where the organizational and the personal overlap. It's not always going to be separate. In fact, sometimes how you relate organizationally to someone is going to influence the personal communication or vice versa. But for the sake of simplicity today, what we're going to unpack is particularly relevant to the organizational side of things. There might be some relevance and principles you can draw over or drag over to the personal side, but we're going to focus more on the organizational side. And we're going to unpack what I'm going to call the DART principle, D-A-R-T, because we want our communication to be sharp, just like the edge of a 
start. So hopefully that image will, will help you remember these principles better. Now, the DART principle is going to focus on four things that we need to think about and reflect on as we seek to sharpen our communication. And the four areas are this. Firstly, it's direction, audience, reasoning, and then time. Direction, audience, reasoning, and time. Now, we could do a whole podcast just on communication, and maybe one day we will. But let me unpack each somewhat briefly just today for our purposes. When we think about leading through crisis particularly, one of the things that we often need to remember because we forget so easily is the direction of communication. So often information and messages come from from one personal group to another personal group who then pass it on to the next personal group and so on and so forth. For example, Maybe the SO campus department has made a decision and through the campus coordinators, it's passed on to the P's and VP's, who then pass it on to the execs, who then tell it to the student leaders, and so on. Now, what has happened there? A message has gone from one team to the next, to the next, and so on and so forth. It's one directional. And in some circumstances, that's going to be necessary, but we, we want to make sure as much as we possibly can that we're creating a culture where the communication is two-way, where the P's and VP's have a space to share their concerns or thoughts with the campus department, and the student leaders have space to share their thoughts or their questions with the exec team and so on. Now, this is important at any time, but it's especially important at, in times of uncertainty, it's very easy for us to just start pushing information down the communication channels to make it all one directional. But in times of crisis, we want to make an extra effort to create that space for two-way communication, for people to give feedback, input, to share their thoughts and opinions so that we, we as decision makers can continue to make informed decisions when we need to. And so the question for reflection for us today is simply is this. When was the last time that you or your team actively sought input and feedback from those that you lead? Think about those people that you lead and about the way you communicate to them. Do you genuinely and actively seek out their input and their thoughts as you strive to lead through a difficult time? Now, to clarify, it does not mean that every single decision needs to have the democratic approval of every single person you lead. That would be chaotic. In times of crisis, chances are you're going to have to make some decisions quickly and boldly. And there's going to be times where you're going to make a decision as a leadership team or as a leader of a team, which perhaps isn't super supported by the people that you lead. It's not popular, but you believe in wisdom that it's the right decision to be made. And so it's not to say that all decisions need to be run past every single person, but rather what we're talking about here is creating regular spaces where people can share their thoughts and their inputs and are genuinely listened to. So that's the first aspect of the dark principle, direction. The second one is audience. We also need to consider the audience of our communication. See, The reality is that everyone communicates in different ways. We all give and receive communication 
in different ways. I know for myself, I, I really like to hear the thought process behind a point that's being communicated. See, I, I tend to prefer that someone spells out how point A led to point B, which then created point C, and as a result, decision D had to be be made, and that's why we now need to do X, Y, Z. That's why probably those who have served with me for any amount of time, you probably know that I tend to send quite lengthy messages at the best of times. In fact, I can almost feel and hear some of you guys giggling and laughing because you know that to be true because that's how I communicate. I like to spell out the thought process. But for other people, they're the opposite. They prefer to get straight to the point and tell them the main point, and then move on. Still, for others, it's not about what you say at all, but rather it's about the tone and the manner in which it's communicated. Some people, it's about the body language of the communicator that is important. And as a result of these different forms or ways of communicating, the end result is often miscommunication, where we think that something has been communicated, but it really hasn't. I like this quote that I heard once, and there's a bit of conjecture as to who originally said it, but I found it to be a guy by the name of George Bernard Shaw, who was a playwright in Ireland in the late 1800s. And he says this, he says, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. I don't know about you, but I know many times I've experienced times where I've thought about how I've communicated to someone and I thought, you know what, I've communicated quite clearly. We're both on the same page. We both want the same thing, only to find out weeks or months later that it was just one big miscommunication. Somewhere along the line, definitions of key words were confused. Tone was received differently. But because I thought that the things were communicated clearly, I never addressed it or clarified it. As leaders who are communicating, we need to take in consideration who we are communicating with. We need to make sure that we're engaging them in a way that both of us are able to understand what's being communicated. The audience is important. Thirdly, reasoning. Reasoning. In times of uncertainty, we're going to be making a lot of decisions. And some of them, we're not going to be able to explain why. We can't explain why decisions, certain decisions were made. Maybe it's because the information there is sensitive and can't be shared with very many people. But as much as possible, we want to be communicating the reasons why certain changes are being made or why certain decisions are being made, especially when we're communicating to other leaders who are then communicating to other people. And the reason we want to do that is because we want our members and those we lead to buy into what's happening, to buy into the decisions. We don't want our members and our leaders to be sitting in a corner saying, oh, I don't understand that. I don't really agree with that. I don't know why it was made. And so I'm just going to kind of leave it to the side. Or if you have leaders in your team who lead other teams, you don't want them to unintentionally lead their team in a different direction because they didn't realize the reason why certain decisions were made. 
Craig Rochelle, who, who needs no introduction on this podcast because we quote him quite a lot. He said this in relation to, to vision casting and also into leading through change, but I think it's quite relevant to leading in uncertainty. He says, people will work for a what, but they'll give their lives for a why. In other words, if people understand why certain changes are happening or why certain decisions are being made, they'll be more willing to jump on board, to action those decisions and to live it out. They've bought into the why. And so as leaders, we want to make sure that we're communicating that regularly, that when we make a decision, if it's possible, to communicate that why to the people that we lead so they understand why things are happening. And finally, T is for time. We want to make sure that we're communicating in a timely manner. In times of crisis, there's going to be things that are done at an incredible speed because we're just trying to keep up with the changing nature of the circumstances. But as much as possible, we want to remember to ensure communication is getting through to the relevant people in a timely manner. We want to avoid situations, for example, where a decision was made to move so events to online, an online format two to three weeks after the decision was made, but now they're only finding out now that it was made that time and there's only finding out now why. We want to make sure that the communication is clear and given in a timely manner. We also want to make sure that our communication is not delayed, but it's also given at the right time, not too early either, and thinking about how we communicate in a timely manner. So that's the the DART principle, direction, audience, reasoning, and time, or timeliness. And that's about sharpening our communication. The fourth aspect that we're unpacking, and the second one for today, is creativity. Now, you're probably wondering, why on earth is that in there? See, for most of us, when things are uncertain, and they're a little bit crazy, our, our initial reflex response is to adopt what I call a maintenance approach. We tend to think that in this time, we need to do everything we can just to survive and maintain the status quo until the storm of uncertainty passes. And often that desire manifests in different ways. Sometimes we're trying to replicate what we did in an on sorry, an in-person weekly meeting in an online weekly meeting. Or we're trying to run our leadership meetings the same way that we've always run them. We're trying to maintain the status quo. But as leaders, I want to challenge you in this area. Now, it's not to say that we have to throw everything out. It's not to say that there's going to be things that we did before that we're not going to do now. There's going to be some things that we value and we want to keep front and center. Like, for example, the preaching of the word in our weekly meetings, whether it's in person or online. There's going to be things that will translate between the different circumstances. But as leaders, we also need to be willing to make the necessary changes to adapt to the change in circumstances. When we're leading through uncertainty, we need to creatively adapt to the different circumstances that we now face. And to do that, I want to unpack four diagnostic questions we can ask, four questions that I trust will be helpful. The first one is this. The first question is, what issues need to be addressed? 
This is the first question. It seems really simple, but unless we're able to actually pinpoint what it is we're trying to address and change, what needs to adapt in the current circumstances, we're not going to be all that effective in the changes that we make. The issues could be things that were working once before but now are not. So for example, maybe when you met in person in a weekly meeting, the first 10 minutes used to be a space where everyone was just chatting and catching up and it was organic and it was amazing. But now everyone is in one Zoom call and it's kind of awkward and silent and just weird. Or the issue might be a new problem that has freshly arisen because of the change in circumstances. Perhaps you're realizing that many of your members are struggling even more to spend time in God's word, both personally and corporately, because of the shutdown. The first important step here is to be able to pinpoint exactly, in one sentence, what it is that you and your team believe need to be addressed. The second question is asking, why have those issues arisen? And when we ask this question, we're not looking for a generic answer such as it's happened because of the coronavirus shutdown. That may be true, but we want to go deeper than that. Why has the first 10 minutes of our casual conversations at weekly meetings been so awkward and uncomfortable? Well, perhaps you think and you analyze it and maybe you realize that it's because, you know, when we're in person together, People were chatting with one or two other people, but now they're, they're chatting in a Zoom call, which is broadcast to 30 different people, and that's daunting and scary for some of our members, and so they just want to stay silent and switch their camera off and stay in the corner without saying anything. And so you realize that the fact that everyone is together in one big chat has led to those changes coming into play. Those issues have now arisen. The third question we then ask following that is, well, what outcomes do we want a solution to achieve? In this question, we we want to be able to identify what exactly it is that we hope to achieve by making any changes. We don't know exactly what changes we're about to make, but we want to have some kind of goal like saying, hey, this is what we want to see. And so in the current example that I've used just before, we might say, We want to create a space still where people can interact organically, casually, and personally. And so you're identifying that creating a space for that is is what you want the outcome to be. And then we get to the fourth question. The fourth question is, what can we do that addresses the underlying issues that we've highlighted in question two and achieves the desired outcomes We've highlighted in question three. This is the how. This is now where we're getting to the point where we're saying, all right, practically, what can we do? And so to follow the ongoing example, we might say, okay, if we want a space where people can share comfortably, we need to make the group smaller. And so what we might do then is that when people enter the Zoom call, they might be greeted in the main room by a few people and then sent to breakaway groups for the first 15 minutes of the weekly meeting where an exec and a student leader will be in that group with a few other people and you can just get people talking and having casual conversations and feeling a little bit more comfortable in the first 15, 20 minutes of the meeting. And you might find that this is not a foolproof solution. You might need to make tweaks along the way. But what you've done is you've made significant 
creative progress. You've identified what needs to be changed and what actually needs to be addressed in those changes. And then you've come up with the solution of what could actually do that. And when we ask these questions in our teams, chances are people are going to give different answers and that's fine. We want different perspectives so we can see things that perhaps we might miss on our own. See, so often we kind of tend to go from question one to question four and we're stuck because we don't know how to be creative like that. We don't know what we actually need to do. But by asking each of those four questions, we can work our way through the issues that we now face and be creative in the changes we need to make. As leaders leading through uncertainty, we need to be willing to be creative in adapting to our new circumstances. And so finally then we get to the last one. This is very short, I promise. Um, It's courage. And this is very simple and it's self-explanatory almost, but as leaders leading through crisis, we we need to be creative. Creative, yes. We need to be courageous. One of the, the few things that are certain in a time of uncertainty is that it's going to be hard. We're going to have to make some tough decisions. We're going to have to make some unpopular decisions or changes. In fact, sometimes we're going to make decisions that are going to be incorrect. We're going to make mistakes. None of us are going to lead perfectly and we're not always going to get it right. But as leaders, we need to be courageous. It starts by the first point we looked at the last episode by being Christ dependent, where we're leaning deeply into him and seeking his wisdom and guidance. And then from that position, we're stepping out boldly and leading courageously. And if we make mistakes, that's okay. We accept it. We own it. We accept responsibility and we keep going. Craig Rochelle finishes every one of his podcasts with the same phrase. He says, people would rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right. Friends, be bold, be real, and lead courageously through a time of uncertainty. And so in summary, Last episode, we explored the importance of Christ dependence and caring for our people. And today, we further explored the importance of communication, creativity, and courage in leading through uncertain times. I hope and trust that you found these elements helpful. And if you have any questions, I want to encourage you to step out and to ask, to ask questions of your leaders, to ask questions of those around you so you can continue to learn and to grow. Leading through uncertainty is hard. It's always going to be hard. But friends, let's persevere through it. Let's lead through it. Let's keep at it because we will come out on the other side of this. We will learn and we will continue to grow into being a generation of leaders that are equipped to serve God faithfully and effectively in all that we do.